0: This is an ABC podcast. Paul Bangay is an internationally acclaimed leading Australian garden designer and these are his Garden Rudimentals, a blueprint series on the basics of garden craft. Here with Paul Bango at Stonefields, Paul, it's the height of the Buxus harvest. (laughs) (laughs) It's that time of the year that we we, we
1: look forward to and dread at the same time. (laughs) Simply through sheer numbers that we have dread in our eyes. Well,
0: yes, there's been a lot of trimming going on. Things are looking pretty ship shape. (laughs) Well, 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 it's quite a complicated
1: activity because what we've got to do is trim the box before it actually burns in the hot sun. Okay. And so there's a great amount of timing that goes on to make that happen. And so what they've done is they've pruned the top of it because that's the bit that burns.
0: So if if the sun is the enemy, why does does not trimming that back, why does that not expose... Because what
1: it does is you trim up all the old foliage that protects it and the new young foliage is prone to sunburn. And so it's only that... Fresh growth, that lime acid okay. green
0: that you're seeing now. So getting it back to something older is is better. Do you have any idea how many box plants you have here? No. Good. They're in
1: the thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Let's we'll leave it at the tens of thousands.
0: And all sorts of wonderful shapes. I mean, there are there are rectangular, square hedges. There are there are square boxes. There are clouded, beautiful spheres and orbs. And this is the you know this is one of the
1: wonderful things about how I love to garden is that I love shapes. Mm. You know, we're all loving flowers. and We like the wild look, we like the romantic look and I'm embracing flowers. But like, I do love experimenting with shapes and geometry in the garden. And you know, I created this part here 18 years ago. So you can see the shapes are quite close together and it was quite a static garden. So I really wanted to make it a bit more dynamic. So I was looking for something that would grow in between in that negative space that would give us some excitement. And about the only thing I could think of were tulips. And so every year we plant 4,000 tulips in here. I was going to
0: ask for the number.
1: <laughs> that, that number I know. <laughs> 4,000 go in every year. 4,000 clear water tulips, that's the variety. So we had to pick exactly the right variety where its head, the flower sits above the shape of the box, but the foliage is below. Okay. Nice. A, lot science, a lot of science in this, well, an awful lot A lot of, of science, of
0: and, and, and then, therefore you need to keep that, that box to a certain the height right.
1: as well. It gets trimmed back to exactly the same height every year year and in in italy you see those wonderful old renaissance parters. same box been trimmed year after
0: year for hundreds of years what's the variety of box here this is buxus sempervirens right which is the one that we all know and well
1: it, with. It, it is but we're now using buxus japonica because ju- buxus japonica is much hardier than sempervirens and the mm. sempervirens is under attack it gets a mite and it's getting a little bit of box blight now and we find the japonica is much tougher
0: Obviously, right now there is a great deal of activity. Now there is a, a tremendous amount of maintenance to be done. Yeah, but that's kind of it, then. That's isn't it. it. And everyone looks at these formal, very formal gardens and go, "Well, what the work? I mean, why
1: would you do something?" Always out there with your scissors. Yeah, the, the work there. is incredible. But really, it is a trim once a
0: year, and then it's done. That's it. The formality. I'm trying to think of the sensation that it creates. I mean, it's obviously quite classical, and that's set off here with these pencil cypresses that you've got. Pencil co- pines. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, that, we've spoken about this before, I think, verticality, how important verticality is in the garden. And that, that's, a, that's one thing that you learn as a designer. When you're drawing a plan, you're drawing it in two dimensions. And it's quite often uh, you forget about the, the verticality. But uh, you can see how important it is to punctuate these great big sheets of box yes.
0: with these pencil pines. But a classic combination, isn't it? Pencil pines and box. Well, yeah, and, and I love the way, too, that the, the pines actually come up in the middle of yeah. little box hedges and it's closed entirely around and the trunk. And look how
1: well, I mean, if you grow something together from scratch, look how well they coexist. Yes. Like, that box is perfect right up to the trunk of the trees.
0: This sort of formality, I mean, do, do people request this?
1: Not not very much these days, no. Mm. I mean, formality has really fallen out of fashion. And I wonder why, I mean, why why, why has formality fallen out of fashion? Is it the way we live?
0: I mean, we're, we're, we're more uptight than we ever were, I think. See, I think the funny thing, though, with a with garden, I mean, with a considered garden, a garden that has planning behind it, to create a sense of relaxed ease is just as difficult as creating a sense of formality. Oh, no, it's, it's harder. Much harder to create a casual garden and an
1: informal garden than to create a formal garden. Much easier to, to grow a formal garden look after a formal garden and plan a formal garden. You know precisely what you've got to do. Exactly, yes. Yeah. With a less formal garden, like you're really at the whim of nature. They, they always used to say that in times of insecurity and great uncertainty, formality came back into fashion. Classicism came back mm. into fashion. Classicism is a, is a great sort of strength, isn't it, that
0: you can rely on. That sense of, you were talking about before too of, of space, of... the the positive space of the plant, the negative space of the space that surrounds it. I mean, that's something you create not necessarily in in just a formal setting. No, that's right. I mean, and this is the
1: perfect example of it here, the negative space being the space between the box plants. But in modern design now and and in, in these new casual wilder gardens, a lot of the negative space has been taken away And so in in, in a more formal traditional garden, you'd have lovely big expanses of lawn, big terraces, and that's what I call the negative space. Now we're reducing the lawns just to small paths winding through big, deep garden beds. So the the, the look is a much fuller look, relying on negative space a lot less than it did previously.
0: Now, the tabletop... Buxus that I'm looking at. You know, I'm interested in the technicality of this. Yeah, the sort of guides and systems that are used to get that finish, which is very precise.
1: Well, Tim, our gardener here, is um, fanatical about it, and so he gets a laser out. Now, it's not a laser beam, sadly it's not a laser beam that can trim it, it's a laser that shoots across the top of it and tells you if any little blade is sort of out, or any little leaf is sticking out. So it gives you this exact precise line all the way along. Now, the old-fashioned way used to be with strings, Yes, people used to put a string up on one end, string up the other end, put a level on it to get it completely perfect. And what about the curves and the spheres? The curves, the, the curves. we've got templates. On the round box, we've got a little plywood circle that sits on top, and you clip around to that. And on the curves on the vertical hedges to the sides, there's another little template, and you clip around that with the curve on it. And what do you clip with? So we use petrol shears here for the m- most of the box. There's a high sort of repetitive strain risk if you are doing that. And there is, <laughs> and we're now going over to electric, you'll be glad to know. Uh-huh. So the, the whole new trend is for battery-operated yes. mechanical tools, which is wonderful, quieter, More heavy, sadly, which is harder on their backs. But for all the boxes, all the spheres,
0: they'd use hand shears. I'm imagining, you know, the the late winter months here at Stonefields as the the garden staff are sharpening their shears (laughs) in preparation.
1: Preparation for for spring. (laughs) Yeah, because this this is all going to be done in the spring before the weather gets too hot. Well, it must be quite a a hectic schedule. It's a very hectic schedule. I mean, you know... Winter is that time where you catch up on all the activities and get the shed in order and and make sure all the all the plumbing's working in the garden and all the infrastructure's working. And then spring comes with a great gusto, and everything explodes into into growth as you can see here.
0: And it's just constant, constant trimming. What has amazed you this spring? I mean, it's been a very wet time, and now getting quite warm. So for the I think for the first
1: time in my 58 years of life, I've said these words. Too much rain <laughs> I would never ever have said that before. Everything 's just soaked. I mean, our lilacs sadly haven 't come out because they 're just too wet. The roses are all sort of sort of just wilting on the stems because they 've got too much mildew on them. It's, it is too wet this year. so these are these are water iris, and they sit in our ponds, they sit in each corner of the pond. Um, they die down in winter and come back up, but now, of course, they're flowering in the spring, aren't they? Spectacular in flower. The blue, like, blue is,
0: is superb. I know,
1: it is. And it's funny, when they die down, you get that absence of green in the, in the terrace and the ponds. It looks so bare. You just, just having that little bit of greenery coming up makes all the difference. Because, of course, you can get
0: the spot of snow here in winter, can't you? We, we
1: do, yeah. yeah we, used to, we used to get regular snow. We haven't had it for some years now, sadly. As we slowly warm up, the snow's disappearing. And uh, and Oh, uh, lots of fruit coming on. The consequence, I think, again, of a, of a wet year is that we usually have one good year of apples, one bad year of apples. They go in two season cycles. We've had three good years of apples. so it's, This a, will it's be a one, won't it? This will be the third good year.
0: Do you have to net them, apples?
1: No, or? so we've got 12 apple trees. The birds get, I think, 20%. And the other 80% of 12 trees is plenty for us. Fair shares? Yeah, fair shares,
0: exactly. What are they, by the way? (laughs)
1: Crimson crisp. The sweetest,
0: crispest red apple you could get. It's an interesting moment in spring too, isn't it? Sort of late spring, the, the first big flush of colour and so on is done. Yeah things are settling a little into summer. Well, there's always this period where you get with well,
1: the wonderful exuberance of spring and then there's a lull between you get the, the perennials of summer. So mm-hmm. there's always this period, this quiet period in between. But at, at the moment, you can see we're, we're just in the height of spring here. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a, <laughs> and when, when it's, I it's created this busy, rose garden... Busy space. ..I'd just been to Iran and seen uh-huh. the rose gardens of Shiraz. The rose gardens there are just unbelievable. So they're not like our typical... Uh, English-inspired rose gardens, where it's all pastels and safe colours. They do hot, warm red colours, and so all our roses here are cr- crimson and dark, dark plum in colour. There's a stack of planting around them. Yes, so we wanted the feeling of if you if you sort of squint a little bit, does it look like a Persian rug? Okay, I'll give you that. You give me that? Yeah, that's the feeling we wanted. So <laughs> I'll sit down and have a cup of tea and possibly buy one. <laughs> a couple of glasses of wine, it looks more like a Persian <laughs> rose. But that feeling of those sort of really deep colours weaving in and out of each mm, other yes. with a little bit of cream and white to sort of, sort of give it a bit of pop
0: is the feeling we wanted for the Rose Garden. Because people, I mean, the conventional wisdom about Rose Garden too is it is just roses and you, yeah. you keep things very spare. No, where there you go
1: back them. to that negative space again. You mm. don't want too much negative space. Well, here's the complete opposite. We've gone completely full of, of, of plant
0: material with no negative space. Bees must go crazy in here. The bees love it, absolutely love it, yeah. And the roses are happy in this? In this roses season. are happy
1: in here. I mean, they, they like a lot of ventilation, mm. so they prefer to be out in the middle of a, of a field getting more ventilation, but they seem quite happy in here.
0: But does, Yeah, well, it's true that despite so much going on around the actual bush itself of the rose, it's, yeah. it's quite clear.
1: Yeah. No, you got to leave a little bit of ba- bare soil around there.
0: And then do you like our paving? Yeah, it is good. So
1: these are, these are um, odd-sized pieces of granite from Italy and odd-sized depths and widths and everything, so a nightmare to lay, but they give you that sort of um, very handmade look, that sort of yes. very textural sort of look to the paving.
0: Mm-hmm. What are the food miles in this paving? Um, not good. <laughs> But luckily, we're not eating them. <laughs> <laughs> and even even here, we find some some orbs of, of buxes just we can, to give that sense of shape. <laughs> we
1: can't get away from the shapes of buxes, can we? They seem to come follow us around everywhere. But I softened it down by planting thyme at the base of them. Very nice. So that's that's sort of giving the
0: softness underneath. Ruby, Ruby the spaniel is is now fossicking, isn't that? Or so you can sorry. see is a tail going so through, weaving the, through the foliage. Yeah looking for are they peonies in there too? Just
1: Yes, still it's a tree, a tree peony. If anyone wants to grow peonies, tree peonies are the safest ones. They're your best mm. bet. The most reliable out of all of them. A good return. The others are pretty
0: finicky. They are too hard to grow. You need a very cold winter with frost on top of them. Well, it is splendid to, to see this, this vision of spring. The, the, the trimming process on all the hedges here... It, 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 Vague sort of estimate of time? A lot. Ah,
1: <laughs> sadly, a lot. I mean, for you know, it occupies their time, the gardener's time, really from October, November, December, and then it stops growing in January. When the heat comes, the heat of summer comes, it stops, yep. they stop growing. Everything, so. everything quietens down. Yeah. I mean, they retreat because they just have to from the extreme mm. heat and dry. You just miss the bunny going past your feet. Cocker oh. Spaniel, mister. Oh. <laughs> She's still overlooking not very for alert. Come on, Ruby, you can do better than that.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everything being supervised by the, uh, the eminent, eminent shape. Of Harold the Peacock. Harold the Peacock. <laughs> Harold the Peacock, keeping an eye on things from the See, lie. that's a
1: testament to the strength of our hedges. I mean, he sits up there all day on top of that hedge just watching, watching out.
0: Yeah.
1: It's, I mean, they'll take the weight of a human, those, those hedges up there. He loves it.
0: Just keeping an eye on everything. Well, Paul, thank you for this, this spring vision. Pleasure. Always a pleasure.
1: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.